0: Our reading today comes from the book of Colossians, and I invite you to open up in your Bibles or read along with me in your bulletin. May you be made strong with all the strength that comes from his glorious power, and may you be prepared to endure everything with patience while joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for in him all things in heaven and on earth were created. Things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. This is the word of God for the people of God.
1: Well, thank you, choir, and Don, and Kathy. It's good to see you. I knew you were here. I wasn't surprised. Um, It's great to have you all. It was beautiful, beautiful music. Thank you so much, and to our Swing and Singing seniors for leading us. It's an exciting time right now. I've met, I see a lot of faces I don't usually see. And so I've met some new folks today, some I'm I'm sure family members and friends are here for the holiday. Um, I love this time of year. And it reminds me of like in college, uh, we used to have a Friendsgiving, where all of our friends and our roommates would come. we'd bring all the food topped with marshmallows and stuff, like the casseroles you make, and and so we'd all get together. And it reminds me of that. Uh, This time of year reminds me a lot of that. I had um, a friend from college, And maybe you have a friend like this, but every time he sneezed, it was followed by at least two, three, four, five sneezes. I mean, it was a fit. It just happened. And and we would say bless you every time, but towards the fifth and the sixth sneeze, you're like, come on. We can only bless you so many times. And uh, I I remember one day he was in a sneeze fit, and at the very end, another buddy looked at him and said, just, man, hold it together. (laughs) What are you doing? And we all laughed, but that actually kind of became our post-sneeze phrase. Somebody would sneeze and we'd just say, hold it together, come on. And now, I actually have to watch myself. I have to think about saying bless you now when I hear a sneeze because my inclination continues to be when I hear a, a chew, I want to say, hold it together. <laughs> now, I've noticed that at this time of year particularly, that same phrase gets used a lot and it's not, it doesn't have anything to do with sneezes. I was in a a conversation the other day with some folks, they had little kids, they were talking about Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's, the amount of extended family coming in. We talked about this family member and that one and my mother-in-law and and the stress of trying to maintain personal dignity while also being kind to that that much family. And the one guy said, I'm just hoping to hold it together. (laughs) Almost 25% of Americans feel a sense of extreme stress when it comes to the holidays. I don't know if you know that. And, and a larger percentage are somewhat stressed. So this time of year lends itself to stress. A lot of people, it seems, are just trying to hold it together. And maybe in the coming week or month, some of you might find yourself in that spot, trying to hold it together. I wonder, though, what that means. I think it might mean something different for all of us when it comes to holding it together. For example, if somebody, were to mention to me that they're trying to hold it together over the holidays, they might mean they're just hoping they can keep from getting in the middle of some political discussion during Thanksgiving dinner. That tends to happen at my house, and I kind of like to egg it on a little bit. It could mean, somebody could say that, and it could mean, I'm just hoping I can keep from losing my cool when a certain family member tells me exactly how they used to make that dish. <laughs> Lord, I, can, I hope I can hold it together. It could mean... Somebody could say, I'm just hoping I can hold it together and keep from screaming at the top of my lungs while my cousin once again tells the story of the time she was roommates with Taylor Swift's manager's niece's stepsister. Um, Or perhaps, perhaps it may mean something a little bit more serious. I hope I can make it through this holiday, the first one without this friend or this loved one. I just hope I can hold it together. Whatever it is, there are many of us when surrounded by this time of year and the chaos of family and plans and logistics, loss, or just simply life, we're hoping to keep our minds and our hearts and sometimes our behaviors at ease and simply hold it together. Lucky for us, the church has been in the business of holding it together since its beginning. And a big part of the ministry of Paul, the church planner who saw Christianity explode in the first century, it was all about writing to different churches, encouraging them to stand firm and hold it together. Paul would start a lot of these churches, and in his absence, he would leave and go do something else. A little bit of chaos would follow in that community. Now I should say, because of that chaos, we have a great portion of the New Testament. (laughs) Most of those letters are writing to churches saying, hey, let me help you sort this issue out. I want to help you hold it together. Now in the letter to the Colossians we find Paul writing to a church he didn't plant it was actually started by a friend of his and it was largely growing pretty well but the church in Colossae was also experiencing its own little bit of chaos. Christianity was a new phenomenon and it provided a level of freedom that they were trying to figure out. So on the one hand you no longer had to follow necessarily the letter of the Mosaic law of the Jewish tradition but you also didn't have to follow the Roman state religion anymore. In, in fact, it encouraged you not to. And in that freedom, some of the people didn't quite know what to do. Well, and, and, and they said, I, "I missed some of those things. We need to retain some of those things." So they peppered in a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And the Colossians were no different. They were adding things that didn't necessarily belong, some old Jewish laws that weren't necessary anymore. But they also got confused about the divinity of Jesus. How divine is Jesus? Is he a prophet? Angel, is he God? And the Colossian church said, well, I I think he's probably on par with the angels. (laughs) So Paul hears about all the good and the bad going on in the Colossian church, and he writes them. And in typical Pauline fashion, not always, but like like a good conflict analyst, he he starts with the good, and then the meat, which is the bad, and then the good at the end. He starts out, I've heard all the good things that are going on in your church. (laughs) So he starts there. And he really begins well and he continues through verse 11 encouraging this church he's loving on them with some really kind and motivational words he says be strong be prepared to endure have patience and give thanks to god with joy for god has rescued us from darkness and shown us the light of his son along with our inheritance i love that paul essentially begins his letter to this church by saying i know that this is not easy I get it. And I've heard how well you've done. I hear your community is really booming. Keep it up. But remember who and what it is that makes us who we are. Don't forget that. And that's when Paul launches into verses 15 through 20. And what a lot of scholars believe is one of the earliest pieces of Christian liturgy. Kind of like a creed or the Lord's Prayer, the things we say every Sunday that order our service, this is one of the earliest pieces. In verses 15 and 20, uh, they start like this. Christ is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, God's original purpose for humanity. In him, all things in heaven and earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him and everything finds its purpose in him. What is Paul doing? In the midst of some confusing arguments and disagreements in Colossae about how divine Jesus is and which old laws to follow, he's sharing this hymn to remind them of the bare essentials, of who they are and who they follow. He's helping to re-articulate something that they already know. Paul is declaring to them the greatest truth, that Jesus Christ is the very image of God and in and through Christ, all things were made, even the powerful, even the state, even the angels. He is above all and he is the very essence, the beginning itself. And then Paul writes this. He, Christ himself, is before all things and in Christ, all things hold together. In Christ, all things hold together. Say it with me. In Christ, all things hold hold together now say it like you believe it in Christ all things hold together what does that mean (laughs) I have to think about it I asked a friend this week what she thought it meant she said in Christ all things hold together it's pretty self-explanatory I said great can you tell me explain it crickets it's because it takes a minute it's harder you got to think about that one of my mentors said of verse 17, it means that Christ is the organizing principle of the universe. He is the one in whom all reality coheres, making all of reality logically consistent. Thank you. It really cleared it up for me. I brought my question to the our lady's Bible study on Wednesday morning. Some of you were there. I walked in and I asked you, Colossians 1, Paul says, in Christ, all things hold together. What does that mean? There was a moment, but then you started to chime in. The answers went something like this. In Christ, all things hold together. Well, I think it means that we're not alone, that Jesus will be with us to help us walk through life, through the good moments and the hard moments. Well, I think it means he will get us through. I think it means that he is the fullness of God. He started it all, created it all, and is in all. I think it means... Jesus Christ keeps everything from giving in to chaos. And another, I think it means that he is the glue that holds us all together, that holds the universe together and that keeps everything connected. He is the bonding agent, the glue. It reminded me of the founder of Methodism, John Wesley. When he was nearing the end of his life, he was keeping a chaotic schedule, preaching and teaching at all hours, traveling from one city to the next, having little time for home and rest in the midst of a relentless schedule. He wrote down these words, Christ is the cement, the support of the universe, and he sustains all things in being. He's the glue, he's the bond. And in the beginning of a letter to a congregation who is starting to disagree and take on an identity and belief system that deviates a little bit from the freedom in Christ, from what they've known, Paul recites a hymn to remind them that the cosmic Christ, the organizer of the universe, the sustainer of all things is the ultimate object of worship. Paul tells the church, hey, in the midst of a little bit of chaos, never forget that Christ is the bond, the glue that holds all things Together, So trust in that and know that Christ will hold you together. One of my mentors said it like this. He makes the universe a cosmos instead of a chaos. He makes the universe into a well-ordered whole instead of disorder and confusion. And he takes this universe, he sustains it, and moves it toward its destiny. In Christ, all things hold together together. A little later in his letter Paul is giving the Colossian church some last minute instructions on how to be in the midst of their situation and he tells them something I'm sure you've heard he says this, "Above all clothe yourselves with love, which bonds all things together in perfect harmony." It turns out that Christ, the very incarnation of love itself, is the glue, the bond that holds all things together. Near the end of the ladies' Bible study this week, one of the members said this when she said, trying to articulate what it means. She said, he chose me. Christ chose each of us. And that's true. He chose us to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ, to be the bodily representation of Christ on earth, which means... We are fellow partners in the holding together of all things. To be a disciple of Jesus Christ means we are now connected to Christ in such a way that he might use us, even us, to hold all things together. I've got one example, and then I'll be finished. Some of you may remember the name of a man named Kenan Lowe, who's a wide receiver for the Oregon Ducks under Chip Kelly. And he also coached a little bit after for the 49ers and the Eagles. He was a very good player. But he's more known for his work off the field. He finished coaching in the NFL after one of his best friends died of an overdose. He said, I don't want to do that anymore. He said, it nearly broke me. And so I decided that I wanted to help kids in those situations. Kids who don't have a shot. So that maybe they wouldn't make the same choices my buddy made. And if I can help them... Then gosh, I wanna. So he became the head football coach at Parkrose High School in Oregon with a team that was on a 23 game losing streak. The kids, he said, didn't believe in themselves. But this coach did. While coaching, Keenan also helped with the school's security team. And in May of 2019, he he was called during the day, during the school day and told to bring a certain student to the office and Keenan spotted the student entering the school with a black trench coat on, and he was armed. Students quickly exited the classroom nearest to the student while Keenan stayed with the student. He disarmed him quickly and later learned that the student never intended to harm himself, or never intended to harm anyone else, but actually meant to harm himself. Keenan saw his eyes, he said, I saw his eyes as soon as I disarmed him, and in that moment, Keenan said, I felt compassion. Because a lot of times, especially when you're young, you don't realize what you're doing until it's over. That single act of Keenan Lowe is enough to call this man a hero. And Keenan would be given the 2020 Congressional Medal of Honor Society Civilian Honor Award. But he didn't get that award for simply disarming the student it was what they saw on the camera footage because in the footage you see Keenan take the weapon hand it off to another teacher and then he grabs that student and he just hugs him just one big bear hug and you see the student not really engaged but after a while the student wraps his and you can see him talking and in an interview they asked Keenan, what, what did y'all talk about? And he said, that student said, nobody cares about me. And Lowe said, I just gave him a hug and told him, I care about you. And in one act, in one moment, Coach Lowe held that student in his arms and became an example to the whole world of what it means to to be in the business of holding all things together. Keenan reminds me of another who came to earth to those who had long since gone their own way, but he came nevertheless with arms open wide, ready to embrace all of us and to say, I care about you, I love you, and to remind us that in, in him all things hold together. I don't know what you've got going on, I don't know where you're at in life. I don't know who you know that needs to hear that they're cared for today. Maybe you need to hear it. I'm just here to say that you are loved beyond measure by a God who would give it all and did. You are loved by a God whose idea of a throne is a cross and whose idea of justice is mercy and who runs out to meet us, wraps his arms around us and holds us close. And T. Wright says, Indeed, Jesus is the image, the truly human one at the heart of the temple, the one who straddles heaven and earth, holding them together at last. Christ is our king. Christ is our bond. Christ is our glue. And through his eternal loving arms, Christ embraces the world. And Christ holds all things together. And whether or not We actually hold it together. Christ holds us. Because in Christ all things hold together. Let us pray. Gracious God, I'm thankful this morning for examples in our lives. For examples of people who grab the hurting and the struggling and bring them in for a big bear hug and say, I care about you. That is an image of you. May we give thanks to you, God, for the Christ who holds all things together. And may we seek to live in such a way that we might be fellow fellow Christians fellow followers of Jesus who are in the business of holding things together to bring a calm to the chaos of all we encounter. May we be mindful and may you remind us daily that even if we don't have it all together, you are holding us still. In Jesus' name, amen.